Good afternoon. I am Sharon Roberson Pender, the President and CEO of the Capital Region Minority Supply Development Council and the operator of the Virginia Minority Business Center um, for the U.S. Department of Commerce, MBDA. It is the first MBDA center in the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia. But I'm also the host of today's podcast, and I'm so excited with our special guest that we have today. The Capital Region Minority Supply Development Council is one of 23 regional affiliates of the National Minority Supply Development Council, the nation's premier agency for certifying minority-owned businesses across this country. This year, we're especially proud. We're celebrating 50 years of existence of the national um, agency, or as the premier agency from a national perspective, and of course here in the DMV, of the leading advocacy organization. This month, we will continue our celebration of Women's History Month by sitting down and speaking with Nicole Parker, principal and CEO of the Ellison Group. Since forming Ellison Group, she has um, grown her um, business year over year after year by successfully managing project life cycles from start to finish. So stay with us. You're not going to want to miss this conversation because, you know, as we are doing, we're going to get into the DNA of a successful female woman of color entrepreneur. But before we get started, we have to take some time to recognize our title sponsors. And just in case you missed our prior episodes, make sure you visit our media center um, at our website at www.crmsdccares.com. But thank you, thank you to Exelon, BGE and Exelon Company, Pepco and Exelon Company, title sponsors also with Capital One, Ampkiss, um, SB and Company, two of our premier minority businesses, and of course, our Virginia MBA Center. Before I bring up the beautiful um, and successful Nicole Parker, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She, she as I said, is the CEO of the Ellison Group, a program and project management provider of the built environment committed to um, um, improving the quality of lives within our community. Since forming the Ellison Group in 2007, Nicole has expertly managed and overseen project life cycles from start to finish. These projects comprise primarily of new construction and renovation projects within government and commercial sector markets. This has resulted in her successfully securing numerous notable clients, growing the company in both scale and capacity, and achieving significant revenue goals. This is her 15th year, but she comes to this business with over 20 years of a comprehensive program and project management experience. Um, she continues to build those relationships that really count in the success of her business and that creates value for Ellison's respected customer. She excludes, exudes professional excellence, integrity, and willingness to go the extra mile every time, and that defines who she is. And that becomes real important because you often wonder, well, why this person is successful? And that's kind of her mantra. You know, we're going to get into Nicole a little bit. So instead of me just reading this resume that can go on, it's a block long, let's just meet Nicole Parker. Good afternoon, Nicole. How are you? Okay, how about yourself? 
I can't complain. Thank you, you know, so much for having me. Oh, I'm excited that you are here. I remember one of, um, I've been with this organization going on seven years. This is my seventh year here. And I, I believe maybe a couple of years into it, I was able to meet you. And one of my first impressions, they talk about those first impressions being like those lasting impressions, was this cover on a magazine I saw that, and by the way, it is still one of the magazine. We have a, an array of magazines we have on display in the office, and it's one that says, do not remove, right? You have any of those, <laughs> you say, do not remove. And on this do not remove is Miss Nicole in this fabulous red dress and a hard hat standing on, what was that you were standing in that time? <laughs> I was actually on a, uh, believe a tractor at the time. Yes. Yeah. And that was such a striking um, photo because it represented for me a couple things. One, you must work out because you look fabulous. Second, <laughs> um, you represent a woman in a male dominated field signifying by the construction site, the hard hat, the whole bit. And then you um, you exuded um, to me self-confidence. Um, and But it looks like there was a story behind, you know, things aren't as easy as they look. There's a story behind how it happens. So let's just talk about you a bit. And then I want to kind of bring it up to, you know, looking back over your shoulder, kind of how did, how did you get there? Where are you originally from? So I'm originally from Maryland, um, but I grew, I call myself the DMV baby, right? DC, okay. Maryland, and Virginia. I am uh, Maryland born, uh, Virginia raised me, Hampton Roads, Virginia. And then I came back to the DC area and lived with my grandmother right after college. Uh, and so that's really, I would say that has made me a well-rounded individual, uh, having to be able to touch, you know, all of those areas, but uh, celebrating 15 years in business this year, um, came in, came from college, uh, graduated Virginia Union University, mm -hmm. uh, where I also sit on the board, I'm so gracious. You sit on the board, board of trustees now, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. And, um, what, did you, what did you major in at Virginia Union? Can you believe it? Everybody asks if I'm an architect or engineer, and I am a good old business major by trade. But business is business, right? Yes, that's okay. correct. So let's chat about that. And so you said from college, you came back to the DMV area. I did. Mm -hmm. I did. And I learned, I landed a job. I was the only one out of all of my friends to have a hard time getting a job and I couldn't get a job back then. It was through the newspaper or through connections. And my uncle actually got me a job, landed a job in the government. And that particular agency was actually under construction, the National Science Foundation. I worked on that job for two years and from there uh, went on to be work for four other firms before launching the business, all in the construction industry. So I worked for two large uh, architectural engineering firm, a construction firm, and then two small, a real estate development firm and another A&E firm. So uh, it's really it's really interesting. Our guest last week said the same thing you said. Her friends were getting these Fortune 500 jobs or getting jobs when they were graduating and she couldn't. And look at yes. the two of you now in terms of success. So what prepared you along the way? So you, you ended up um, at that particular agency and they 
you know, as God had has it um, had it at, at that time, they were doing some construction projects. And so that's where you began to learn that particular business. Yes, that is correct. Um, I had just come up off of uh, interviewing three times with uh, at the time Bell Atlantic, now Verizon in Baltimore and on the third interview, someone beat me out and my uncle calls and said, hey, you got the job and, you know, we have an admin position open. And I'm like, oh, I don't want this job. And I got there and they were basically said, put your hard hat on. You're going to go out here and you're going to be a runner. And that's where I learned to read floor plans, blueprints, wow. um, utilize CAD and just learn everything about construction and got picked up by that contractor two years later. And, and that's not easy. Come on now. So let's back up. So you said you you did some of the, the strenuous stuff in terms of being the runner, but, but there was something about you. You paid attention, you, floor plans. Okay. You said CAD drawings. Um, so this was kind of self-taught stuff. Did you go to get any training on it? It was actually, it, mm-hmm. it began with, uh, being self-taught. I, uh, most of my training in the construction field has been from being self-taught. Um, and as I move forward, the biggest thing that I wanted to do, I always say that, um, I consider myself a project manager by trade. I multitask, um, to the highest level. And so I wanted to know everything about the construction project. How is you know how it's how it's developed? Um, how do you put the program of requirements package together? What are the estimates look like? How do you develop an estimate? You know what's the plumbing? What's the electrical? How do you put the project together? Where do you find the people? How do you negotiate the contract? And for me, having the opportunity to work for two small uh, firms and two large. Um, just gave me um, a balance. Um, you know, there's the big and then there's the small. And in a larger company, Fortune 500, sometimes people seem to get lost and you're looked at as a number with plenty of people, whereas a small company is more close knit in their different relationships. But I learned something from every company that I worked for. Hmm. And so what happened in terms of you taking that risk to walk into this abyss called entrepreneurship? What made you make that decision? And then what was that like? How did you capitalize it in the beginning? So for me, for years, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But I think my turning point was at the last company that I was at. um, There were two male partners and those partners, after just being denied promotion passovers and um, carrying 70 percent of the revenue there and them really not caring about their people. I knew that was something that I didn't want to do. And I had brought other people to work for me at this company. And I just said, hey, I can't do it anymore. And I can remember going home, talking to my father. He was reading the newspaper. And I said, you know, I just don't know what to do. And he says, I know what you're going to do. He's reading the newspaper. He says, you're going to quit. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're carrying 70% of the revenue. Um, What are you doing? And, you know, you need to make the decision. And the very next day, uh, after staying up all night, I uh, returned to that job and I gave them two documents. The first document was a termination letter. The second document uh, was a consulting agreement that I would still work for them and carry Very out the contracts that I worked on. How did they receive that? Ah, probably the same way that I received it the day before when I cried when I didn't get my promotion. So they were very shocked. And I can remember one of the owners saying to me, 
you know, Nicole, the reason why we haven't, you know, provided you or gave you an opportunity for any ownership here is because you wouldn't have to deal with all this mess. And I just kindly turned to him and said, well, if I was an owner with you, you wouldn't have all of this mess. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. Very good. So how long did that that um, particular so very smart working, but also transitioned into having a contract before you stepped out? out yes. There. Yes. Okay. Being a one person consultant. And I would say the biggest lesson behind that, mm -hmm. I'm a you know big proponent of no being your next opportunity because I'm just not the person that received my opportunities the first, the second, the third, sometimes not the fourth, fifth or sixth time. But I maintain my integrity no matter how they treated me and no matter um, of it being a male dominated industry. I just held my head high and kind of, you know, cried to myself. And, you know, I, I'd come out the next day and as my father would say, chin up, you know, to the world. And um, in that integrity, those owners went on to actually become my subcontractors about four years later. And so relationships are key. And, mm -hmm. you know, you realize when people do certain things to you, it, it's it for me, it's not my problem. You can't make it your problem. You have to make it theirs. And that just falls under what are the things you can control? What are the things you can't? I can control my response, but I can't control how people act. How did you where, when did you and I love when you said your father said, keep your chin up. Um, sometimes that stuff does penetrate. Oh, so, deeply. so how do you how do you cope? when you know when you take that stuff you know, and, and you know you're behind the, the you know the door um by yourself how do you how do you make sure that self-care is there that you don't let it penetrate but so much yeah and i i can remember it, it also makes me think about remembering one time i i heard an entrepreneur speak saying it's lonely at the top and what mm -hmm. do you do and it's really surrounding yourself with positive people and people that can feed your brain and showing up in rooms where you don't have fear because you're not the smartest person in the room, but you're going there to gain equal access and you're going there to gain more knowledge and you, and you can't fear that. And, you know, I have no fear of not being the smartest person in the room, but I know that I'm capable of leveling up and um, always working, uh, no fear of working outside of your comfort zone. And what does that mean to, you know, level up? That's increasing my effort and that's increasing my results. And that's at every level. Um, you know, in this 15 years for me, it's, you know, level one, um, starting the business as a consultant, right? That one man shop, getting to the six figures. And then it's getting the next step is getting to that, you know, million dollar contract. And then after the million dollar contract, it's the three million or, or five million or the multi-million dollar contract. And how do you do that? And it's leveling up and pivoting at every step of the way because it's a different step and it's a different level and it's a different pivot so in this male dominant field not only are you dealing with the customer competitors but you're also dealing internally with your own employees mm -hmm. and so how do you make sure that those kind of things aren't taken for granted um you know how many times have you gone you know many of us have gone into meetings with a, a male employee and they're looked as the person that they want that they direct direct all their conversation to and so tell folks in terms of um how you leverage those kinds of things so for me um i'm a walking talking praying machine so i'm going i've been into many rooms where 
my VP, they may have wanted to talk to him specifically only being a male. And, um, you know, with that, it's taking it one step at a time of learning the person that I'm meeting with and just asserting myself. Um, and, and I've learned this. Sometimes you can't give them, you know, the the New York Nicole with assertiveness. Sometimes it has to be the South Carolina Nicole with the assertiveness. So it's just learning who your audience is and reading the room. Yes. Mm -hmm. And not being offended by it. And I, and I've just developed the mindset that it's work. You know, these aren't the people that necessarily care about me firsthand. They're there, they're there to do business. And so if I keep that business mindset, um, that's really what helps me uh, focus because once I walk out of that room and I've made that deal, I can, you know, turn to the people that do care about me and that's family, that's close friends, that's mentors um, or other people, other business partners that I may learn from. Um, but it's one step. Um, the other mindset that I think I, I keep is knowing that, you know, when you're in a situation, good or bad, you know, it's good sometimes, it's sunny, and it may be, you know, pouring other times, mm -hmm. just knowing that um, Rome wasn't built in a day, and it didn't fall in a day. So, you know, you're building something, it takes time to build, but when something is falling or not going your way, it's not going to all happen at once. So you, you, you take it one step at a time. My sister, I love your comments, but tell me this. When they mess with your money, who shows up? New York or South Carolina? <laughs> New York all day long. <laughs> uh -huh. I thought so. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I know you have been in instances when people want to kind of want to kind of um, lowball you. Yeah, and then you have to you know decipher: is this a business ploy or is this a gender ploy or you know what is it? And sometimes, and I understand what you're saying. It can't all be. It's, you know, it's because I'm black or it can't all be because I'm a woman. You have to, but I guess when you read that room, uh, you decide which, which, um, which location shows up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you know, the most important thing about the, the low ball or negotiating. And I tell people this all the time, when you show up and you're giving your price or your rate, Never sell yourself short, but give them everything. I, I throw in the whole kitchen table. I want you to know how I built this rate. I want you to know what comes with this rate. I also want you to know, because I never tell an expert how to do their job. Whatever they may request, I'm going to let them know what that request costs, but what it takes to do that request. And sometimes we often, hey, I'm worth this, but you have to be able to explain your worth. I think that is so critical. Mm. And don't be scared to give it away because they will come back if you provide good business. And, I, and I'm a believer of that. But when, what, what happens and when you're, you know, you're 15 years in, but what happens or how does it feel in the beginning when you're hungry? Right. And and can you talk about some of the things that you've had to deal with because you're hungry? You, you had to get to the 15 year stage. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and that just goes back to the leveling up at every step. Right. That first deal, just getting to the deal, then getting to the million dollar deal, then getting to the five or ten million dollar deal or the 50 million dollar deal. Um, every step you learn something different. So the things that I did for my. Uh, initial one to $5 million deals mm -hmm. aren't the same things that I have to do or that I do just learning 
um, with the art of filling up what to do on the next set of deals, that 10 to 20 or 30 or $50 million deal. You don't do the same things that you did before. And, um, you know, we're able, we're in a position now that we're able to, you know, turn business away because all deals aren't good deals and you mm -hmm. really have to be educated on that. I think that's important. What advice would you give other women in particular when it comes to, because this comes at you in all kinds of ways, because I'm, I'm sure you, you talked about subcontracting to that mm -hmm. large group, but what, what happens when you've had to partner and to make sure that you, you, you're sitting, you're in solid ground and partner. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about partnering experiences and some advice you may give for about selecting and working with a partner? Yeah, absolutely. And I would probably say that was my first biggest lesson. I partnered with one of those previous four companies that I work with mm -hmm. and my well, my my subcontract agreement was, uh, I thought, in a good place. My payment terms were not in a good place. And so mm. I sold myself short and lost several thousand dollars um, as it relates to that. So no matter how well you know the person and partner, and I think it's a very important um, I'll go with these three words. And these are the three words for the year for my staff or that I go by. Transparency, right? That's number okay. one. Am I communicating effectively? Am I um, am I explaining my message and getting that point across clearly to the person, right? And that's through, a lot of times people are scared to have hard conversations. Well, when you're in entrepreneurship, there are many hard conversations that you have to have, but you have to be transparent. Mm -hmm. The second is accountability. Mm. Have I accepted the assignment that I've been given? Okay. Right? Have you? That means if you've communicated effectively, you, you're able to move forward to accept that assignment that you're given, right? And then the third is responsibility. Can I check the box and say I've completed the task or I'm on the right road to completing that task um, that I have? And I think um, and that's even if problems or things come along the way under that accountability and that responsibility, you go back to transparency. If, if there's a glitch somewhere, and that's how you're effectively communicating through transparency. So transparency, accountability, and um, responsibility. How's that working for you? Excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's um, pushing staff. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have some awesome staff. I'm very blessed. You know, um, while I may have launched the company, I really could not have been more successful without my staff. So it's really getting them to that point. And I often have to say, you all don't have to be Nicole, and um, but you do have to be transparent. You do have to accept uh accountability i accept your assignment and you do and have to be responsible absolutely mm -hmm. yeah um and everybody works at you know everybody works at different levels and i always see there's three levels of people there's 100 percenters you know very few um then there's 50 percenters that are you know sometime then there's you know a group of people that you just have to constantly work with um but they all mean well at the end of the day they just you know work at different capacities but just plain and simple and black and white transparency mm -hmm. accountability and responsibility can you talk a little can you talk about any of given any um 
something you're very proud of, a customer, a site or whatever. Can you give any of those examples? Wow, so many. Um, I am proud of my uh, having grown up in federal government, having grown up in the federal government industry, you know, starting out as an employee and then mm -hmm. um, launching the firm. I am very proud of the growth into um, corporations, Fortune 500s and Fortune 100s. We've had the um, opportunities to work with Coca-Cola, AT&T, um, MGM. And so as we you know, continue to grow, I am proud of that transition because you don't find many people that do a lot of both, especially small businesses. It's mm -hmm. one or the other. Um, and I am also proud of our transition uh, most recently in the last three years into both higher education and healthcare. Uh, healthcare is something that's been, um, I would say, you know, on my mind and in my brain for probably seven years. In the last three years, we've done uh, very well. And so uh, this year we're working uh, with a new uh, large partner. Um, that we're excited about that has um, taken us under their wing to work with them uh, in healthcare, and they were very impressed. And so I'm excited about that. Well, good for you. When when I look at your, your resume, there is just an incredible amount of um, uh, awards that are listed. And oh, by the way, we're, we're really proud that Nicole Parker is a member of our board of directors, the Capital Region Minority Supply Development Council. And we've given you a couple of awards, like Top 100 MBE and some others. But I'm, I'm looking at this impressive list of awards, you know, whether it's from the SBA or the uh, Frasionette, I see. I remember seeing George Frazier at your your anniversary yes. celebration. Yes. Yeah, that was great. One of my and, mentors. I love him so. Yeah. Um, the governor's office, and I'm looking at um, leadership, daily record, enterprising women, on and on and on. Talk about a little bit about your give back. And, and the other part I'd like you to talk about is what value do you see in your relationships with some of these organizations like CRMCC mm -hmm. um, in terms of the success of your business? You Is there a correlation there? Definitely. I think as a uh, entrepreneur or top exec, it is very important to align yourself in your industry with organizations um, that support your services or that can assist you along the way. But um, you, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, George Frazier, who is a uh, mentor of mine of many years, the last 10, 12 years. And one of the biggest things he talks about is your network being your net worth. And so mm -hmm. networking with those types of organizations like the Capital Region uh, Minority Supplier Development Council and, you know, starting at the top with the National uh, Minority Supplier Development Council, SBA, MBDAs, the SCORES, um, American Express Business Open, U.S. Black Chamber. All of those, um, your willingness to serve, and while you're serving, you're learning, you're getting educated, you're giving back. Um, and in that serve, you're opening your network, you're opening your, your business line to let people know who you are and what your capability and capacity is, but you're also um, showing who your character is. And I think that is very important as an entrepreneur 
I mentioned earlier, you know, it can be lonely at the top or a lonely world, but, you know, that's where you get your biggest advice, your biggest lessons, your biggest connections. And I think it's very, very important. But serving is first. And that's one of the first things that I learned from George Frazier. I would say the Mm -hmm. two top things, um, your network is your net worth, but serve, asking someone how you can serve them. I think that is so incredibly important. Hmm. That's, that's very, very interesting. So the service part of it. So tell us about the Ellison Group Foundation. Oh, something I'm super proud of. Um, I did, you know, my my parents were young parents. They were 18 and 19 when I was born and their parents of uh, four children full of wisdom and very family. Uh, my father comes from a very family oriented uh, family. Um, and my mother um, didn't have a very close knit family, but my father's family was her family. And one of the biggest things uh, from my grandmother, um, I miss her so. She just passed within the last six yeah, months. But I remember. Um, one of the biggest things that she talked about was hard work and giving back and giving back to your community. And, you know, when I signed up to be an entrepreneur, I didn't even think about the part of giving back and how much effort that would be. But that is probably the biggest joy that I have uh, Mm -hmm. on this path that God has put me on. And and it's the give back, giving back to others and showing others that they, you know, have a way that they can connect outside of their neighborhoods. And by way of, you know, my foundation, um, it was created in 2013 and um, I had my son in college. And so uh, the biggest part of that is giving back to teen moms uh, while I was a young teen mom in college and, um, you know, the mother of a young son and a single mother for so long, an African-American male. So it's an advocacy framework for giving back by way of uh, leadership, scholarships, entrepreneurships, Mm. uh, mentorship, training. Um, We do a big feed the families every year, uh, connecting both Maryland and D.C. I live in Maryland, but a lot of my work is in uh, the D.C. area. And so that Mm -hmm. give back, we've been able the last two years, um, well, the last three years, been able to increase that. And this year we fed a thousand families. And so that's just so important to whom much is given, much is required. Absolutely. I love one of my favorite Bible verses. Nicole, what advice would you give other women that may be looking to um, venture into what's been called a male-dominated field? And any advice there that you can think of? We are only different by sex. We can do the same thing that they can. And just remember that quitters never win. That's betting on yourself. And winners never quit. Q and W, W and Q. Quitters never win and winners never quit. And bet on yourself. The biggest thing for me, and although my father was that pusher to say, you know, Mm -hmm. why are you crying? Wipe your tears. That's just not your landing uh, pad. You have to create your own landing pad and proven that you can do that. And so, you know, in that betting on myself, what do I have to lose? I have a resume. I've worked as a person, as women, we multitask. I know that if it didn't work out, I could go back to a nine to five, but. um, I never had to in in 15 years, right? Not at all. Hmm. 
who are your mentors? Obviously, it sounds like your dad is, but who else? My dad is an awesome mentor. Um, last year um, was a very sad year. I lost my grandmother, who was a plethora of uh, knowledge. Um, I yeah. also lost my mentor from Virginia Union University, um, oh, wow. who was very big in D.C. and um Gosh, I have many mentors. One of the things that George Frazier uh, explained to me in mentorship, and I don't think that people recognize, well, if they don't, I'm here to tell them they can serve so many purposes, right? So I have mentors on the business side that feed me from a business perspective. I have mentors that feed me from a personal perspective, and I have ones that feed me from both. Um and so the blessing uh, behind that is, you know, always be willing to learn because there's no rule book on how to be, you know, the great entrepreneur or professional or how to be a parent. Right. So in that personal and professional, there's a balance between both and you have to be happy with both. Outstanding. So congratulations to you again for your 15th year. Tell me what is Nicole Parker 2.0? What's what's you know as you as you move on the next 15 years, what, what's Nicole Parker 2.0? You know, for me, I am still figuring some of that out. You know, mm -hmm. how long do I want to work like this? Where do I want to, you know, hang my my hat at? What's next? I can tell you what's immediately next is actually um, I am building a uh, training course um, that I can do online. I have a lot of uh, mentees that I am actually working with. And because, you know, my hands only spread so far, it's like, what do you do next? And so um, I, if everyone could look out for my online training platform, it'll be in and around the world's largest customer, uh, the government agency. Ah, and then okay. peace is the prize, right? Uh, so just doing more with less, I think. Okay. Very, very good. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Thank you so much, Nicole, for spending this time with us and imparting your wisdom. Um, you are a very special woman and so glad that we were able to share your experience, your journey with our, um, our audience. I am here. I submit that there is a lot more to come with Nicole Parker. And so we're going to stay tuned and on the sidelines, just kind of continue to see you soar. So, so again, thank you very, very much. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Folks, you you saw it here first. You know how to get in touch with her and, and, and to keep her in your sights. And so um, as we bring this to a conclusion um, with the phenomenal Nicole Parker, principal and CEO of the Ellison Group, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule um, to to listen to such an incredible journey, um, journey with our guests. Well, before uh, we let you go, we have to thank and acknowledge um, some of our corporate sponsors. You heard earlier me thanking the um, title sponsors. Let's look at some of our corporate sponsors in AARP, Allion, AT&T, BAE System, BWI, Thurgood Marshall Airport, the city of Baltimore, Dominion Energy, the Ellison Group is one of our sponsors, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the Financial Realty, Realty Services, the Hilton, Horseshoe Casino, Lidos, Lockheed Martin, M&T Bank, Mass Mutual, McCormick, Northrop Grumman, Peapod, 
SAIC, Sodexo, Truist, United States Postal Service, the University of Maryland College Park, the University of Maryland Global Campus, Washington Gas, um, the Metro, Zillion Technologies, and Zones. As I shared with you earlier, it is our golden anniversary and we will have a host of events in store for you um, this year. Look out for, we're gonna have a concert, some awards. So just look out um, and stay tuned to our website um, so that um, you can learn what's going on. And lastly, and that's www, for those who are just listening, that's www.crmsdc.org. And don't forget to like and um, like, share, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at, at CRMSDC on our social media platforms. Um, you can also listen to our podcast on and subscribe to Google, Spotify, or Apple. I'd like to thank the team, uh, executive producer Sonia Bigelow-Smith, creative director Nicole Miles, um, and um Rounding out our team is Renee Sanford and our production done by Grable Media. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Listen, come back. Um, our next guest is going to be um, Michelle Rice, president of TV One and Clio TV. But Women's History Month is, is the bomb. So stay tuned. In case you miss it, go to our website. Thanks and have a great, great afternoon.